This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, October 19th, 2023. I'm Caleb Brown. The Bonta decision at the Supreme Court a few years ago protected donors from disclosure merely for supporting causes they care about. But how well are states falling in line with that mandate? Luke Wachab is with People United for Privacy Foundation. He describes the many ways states have responded either to follow or subvert the Bonta decision. So for those who uh, haven't been paying attention to the context of nonprofits and the degree to which nonprofits may be compelled by governments to release their donor lists, at least to the government itself. There was a pretty big Supreme Court decision known as Bonta that secured the right of nonprofits and indeed of donors to essentially remain private. Uh, And the fallout from that case has been what in in states or states either falling in line or not falling in line yeah this is one of the underrated but key free speech battles of our time um you know the first amendment provides very strong protections to people's ability to to speak out and oftentimes when government wants to get in the way of that uh they look at donor disclosure surveillance um forcing groups to say, you know, who their members are, who their donors are, um, and oftentimes publicizing that information. And that really can can unleash harassment on donors. It can scare away support for groups that are working on controversial or increasingly even mainstream policy issues, um, you know, in today's world with the internet and uh, social media. It's very easy to organize a mob to harass somebody online. Um, so there's been an awakening of, you know, there's been a realization that, um, privacy is really important for people to actually be able to exercise their first amendment rights to support the causes they believe in. In AFPF v. Bonta, um, that was a case where California had come out and required every nonprofit organization in the state to hand over its donor list. And this flew directly in the face of a a 1958 case called NAACP v. Alabama. That was decided in, you know, the height of the civil rights movement. The state of Alabama was looking for any tool they could to shut down the NAACP. And one of them was attempting to force them to hand over their members list. Um, The Supreme Court unanimously recognized this as a serious threat to free speech. Um, And they, they ruled that Americans know Americans have the right to join and support nonprofit organizations without state officials being aware of it. This had been chipped away at for generations by politicians trying to find a way to get at nonprofits and get at free speech, um, ultimately culminating in the AFPF Ibanta ruling. So since then, we've seen sort of two movements. There's been in the states, there's been a move to make sure that what happened in Bonta doesn't happen again. Um, but we have also seen, you know, other politicians respond looking for new ways to go after donors. Uh, And there's been some pretty major pushes at the federal level in recent years to do that. So uh, I live in Kentucky. Our senior U.S. Senator is Mitch McConnell. He has a long history in this area. And, you know, one of the points that he has made consistently over many years is that those kinds of activities are speech, that uh, writing a check to causes you support, that's that's expression that you are uh, expressing support for an idea and you want to fund that idea uh, or fund that speech, that's 
well that's protected. And so uh, I wonder, are there states right now that are attempting to subvert Bata? So uh, one question that remains is what happens to the records that were collected while states were doing this? There were actually four states. Um, there's California, but also Hawaii, New York, and New Jersey. Uh, there's a lawsuit right now in New York um, attempting to make sure that those records are um, disposed of because if you just leave them sitting around there's always a risk of leaks and in fact in new york um the attorney general's office uh, appears to have leaked the donor list to nikki haley's nonprofit to an activist group which then turned around and gave it to politico um you know this is kind of the risk that we're all worried about you know the government should not be able to put its thumb on the scales and as you were saying, you know, it, this is a First Amendment issue. Freedom of speech is not just about being able to shout yourself hoarse on a street corner. Uh, it's about being able to, to organize and advocate for change in public policy and to discuss government. Uh, in many ways, the, the speech that these nonprofit groups are engaged in, um, that's the type of speech that our founders were most concerned about protecting when they wrote the First Amendment. So uh, and to the extent that states have fallen in line, are the agencies that are charged with enforcing election-related speech rules, do they understand what that means? Well, that's a great question. You know, do, do, do regulators ever really fully understand uh, the gravity of the First Amendment context that, that they're operating in? You know, I, I started working on this issue about a decade ago when the IRS scandal was happening, and that was just a great education in how even very powerful, very well-funded government agencies often have no clue what they're doing uh, when it comes to regulating around Americans' First Amendment rights. So one thing states have started to do that is very positive is put proactive laws in place that prevent state agencies or officials from collecting, demanding, disclosing nonprofit donor and member information uh, except where required by current law. 17 states have passed a law like that so far. And I think that's a great test of, you know, do state lawmakers have really any respect for the ability of people to privately donate to nonprofit organizations? Because like I said, you know, it doesn't override existing law. It, the legislature can still come in and make changes if they think that's necessary later on. It just says state officials can't just on a whim decide to do this. And I think that's, you know, it speaks to, you know, how low the floor is for these rights, that, that that's something that is not in law clearly everywhere. But I think with Bonta, we learned that we absolutely need those sorts of protections. So it's great to see states picking that up. Well, that is the good news. <laughs> Uh, the bad news is that Congress continues to exist and make laws in this area, and there are very high-level leadership uh, uh, folks in Congress who would like to see any number of the Disclose Act elements that we would, uh, you and I would oppose. Yeah, I mean, ever since Citizens United in 2010 uh, made it easier for nonprofits to speak directly about political issues. There's been a push from Democratic leadership in the Senate to um, try to take all those newfound rights away um, through disclosure that would, um, one, it would force groups to take on enormous, you know, record keeping and liability costs. They have to report this stuff on a, it. These laws are pretty complicated when you get down into the details. And then also just having to expose your membership. So the Disclose Act, the Honest Ads Act, the Amicus Act. 
And we see these sorts of provisions pop up in all sorts of other bills, the Real Political Ads Act, um, when the Democrats were in control of the House and they passed their H.R. 1 for the People Act. That included um, many of these provisions. So, you know, this is something that Congress is always uh, close to acting on. Um, so it's something that, you know, people have to be very aware of. Um, you know, again, the IRS scandal was only 10 years ago, and we never really solved the underlying problems with that. So while states, you know, need to stop, you know, state agencies from acting illegally to go after nonprofit donors, there's work to do at the federal level as well. There are, uh, well, we'll go ahead and name names, I guess. The Sheldon Whitehouse, uh, Charles Schumer are sort of the leaders of this uh, sort of broad idea that the public is entitled to know who is supporting what causes. And that, that, that seems to be the baseline defensible argument that they're making. Yeah, there's the sort of theoretical academic argument about uh, voters should, should know who is, who is attempting to influence government. Um, but then there's the real motive. And this is clear, you know, many times Charles Schumer, when the Disclose Act was first introduced, infamously said the deterrent effect should not be underestimated. You know, he was bragging about the fact that if we pass this law, groups are going to shut up groups that he wanted to stop talking. It's also worth noting, you know, all these people have nonprofit groups that have private donors that they like and that they work with because they agree with them about issues. Um, and ultimately, you know, almost every politician who wants to pass more disclosure laws for nonprofits, they have specific groups in mind uh, that they want to um, drain resources from, make them less effective, make them scared to speak. Um, so, you know, it's a very, uh, the high-minded argument, I think, we really have to start, when this transparency term is used, we really have to learn to ask, transparency for who? You know, transparency is for government. It's for people to be able to monitor what their government is doing in their name and with their money. It is not for the government to be able to surveil uh, Americans and what their beliefs are and who they're giving money to. Luke Wachab is with People United for Privacy Foundation. We spoke in August in Chicago. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you please. Thank you for listening.